Welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast. Today we are talking about Fortnite Esports with the Fortnite World Cup coming up around the corner. It is time to lay out what Fortnite Esports are and the crazy run they've had in the last year culminating with the World Cup. To help me cover this, I am joined by my friend and co-worker Amanda Zalowskis, and I butchered your last name. Wow, I always do that. Uh, <laughs> Zalowskis. There you go. That works. That's Zalowski. perfect. Amanda Zalowskis. She's at Panda. Uh, I didn't put the last. It's Panda with two A's. X92. X92. That's yeah. it. Panda. I believe yeah. me. I am trying to get an easier at, but I've had that since I was like 13. So I'm kind of attached to it. <laughs> I like it. It's a good at. You have the uh, the Avi that goes with it. That's nice. Um, I'll put her link to her Twitter down below. Amanda writes for Fortnite Intel along with me. And so I think combined, how many articles you had on Fortnite Intel now? Oh my gosh. Uh, I believe I'm well over 300 right now. I've been with Fortnite Intel for over six months. So yeah, it's been fun. It's been a ride. (laughs) Yeah, you came on about a month or so after me and that's around where I am. I'm like at 380 something. Mm -hmm. So So we have two people who have done a combined... 700 and some odd articles on Fortnite. So I think we sort of know what we're talking about about this game at this point. Yeah, if we don't know what we're talking about at this point, then um, we're doing something wrong. But yeah, no, we've been dealing with Fortnite ever since really like the huge blow up that it had um, towards the end of 2017 and the beginning of 2018. Um, just the fact that we're heading into a tournament this weekend with $30 million on the line. like. 30 million. It still blows my mind. Like the one thing that I love driving home to people is that the winner of the solo event is walking away with $3 million. What the heck is that? And what did I do wrong in my life to not have that opportunity? (laughs) Yeah. For comparison, the winner of Wimbledon walks away with 2.8 million. Dude. it's a crazy amount. And Wimbledon is one of the highest prize pools in all of sports or esports out there. It's like 40 combined between the men's and women's tournaments. So that's we're talking about a the absolute like highest prize pools for any event in the world right now. Yeah, it's the, the amount of effort and money and resources that's going into this event. Um, honestly, yeah, you said it. It's record breaking. We haven't seen anything like this before in esports. Um, as of recording this, I am not 100% sure. I don't know if the international was able to break 30 million. It did. But, it just talked okay. it, uh, last week, actually. Okay. So then, yeah, I, I then at that point, it isn't the highest, uh, prize pool, but I would be very confident to say that this event, this weekend is going to bring in so many viewers. Uh, I honestly think the solo finals will break the concurrent record. Um, Ooh, on you Twitch. think so? Hot take. I, I honestly do. Um, and the reason why I think that is because we have been waiting for this event. There have been 10 weeks of qualifiers, five of them being for solo and five of them being for duo. But one of the biggest names in Fortnite is going to be in the solo, but not in the duo. And that's Tifu. And all eyes are going to be on him because what happens if he is paired up against somebody 
in the solo event that's on phase. How dope would that matchup be? Oh, that would be that would be absolutely crazy. That um, would be so- crazy, and I, I I would love to see it. I'm excited to see it, and like these are people from all around the world that have proven that they are amongst the best of the best. And if you're putting a hundred of them into a lobby, it's going to be a show, no matter what happens. I just oh, hope yeah. Epic can run the production well, so we can keep up with it. That's the big issue. And we're going to get into some of the inherent issues with Fortnite esports uh, eventually. Mm-hmm. But that's basically a preview of this event. It's happening in New York City this weekend. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Should go up on Thursday. And the Fortnite World Cup begins Friday midday. It goes all the way till the solo finals on Sunday afternoon, July 26th to the 28th. So that's what you have to look forward to with the World Cup. Uh, but first, I want to go back a little bit because Fortnite Esports, this is completely unheard of. We mentioned the International, which has had a steadily growing prize pool since it was introduced in 2011 and now reached 25 million last year and partially due to Fortnite saying 30 million, the Dota 2 community, because the International Prize Pool was funded partially through Battle Pass sales. The Dota 2 community was like, uh, screw you guys, Fortnite. We are going to raise this above $30 million. So when the Fortnite World Cup happens, it'll be the biggest prize pool. But then a month later, Dota 2's the International 2019 will take that title back. So they have it for one month, though, which will be the first time a game not named Dota 2 has the highest prize pool in esports since 2011. I believe. I think the international 2011 was the highest prize pool at the time, and it just stayed there. Yeah, each year it just continues to raise, just due to the fact that it, like you said, is partially funded by crowdfunding. So people can go in and you know buy the battle pass or whatever else it is, and that money is going right to the prize pool. And that's such a unique thing that I really wish that more esports would do that. I think it's a great idea. Um, but also to bring up the fact too, I completely forgot about this. Um, Epic pledged a hundred million dollars to Fortnite. Yeah, I don't know any other company that's done that in a year. Oh no, it it hasn't happened. <laughs> so that it, that that too, that's like they're just tossing money at this, and they're like, hey, if if you want this, you can get it. And there definitely have been people who have done that. Yeah, there's been a uh, quite a few people who've made hundreds of thousands of dollars from Fortnite uh, just from tournaments, and then through streaming, it's millions upon millions because it's mm-hmm. been consistently one of the top games on Twitch. Actually, Teamfight Tactics is beating it in July right now, but Fortnite has been either the top game or second or third for well over a year now. Yeah, ever since it ever since it released and it hit that huge bubble, um, there's been very few games that have been able to beat it and even then i wouldn't even say beat because it's only been like a month or two that these games have been able to kind of get close to fortnite yeah so like, like for instance with that, exactly exactly so apex had this huge bump where people were really excited about it and like honestly i was one of those too um i enjoyed apex for me um i can't build in fortnite i don't know if it's just my reflexes or my age whatever but um when Apex came out, really enjoyed it. And then you saw that decline because Epic offers something extremely unique in the fact that these players almost have instant gratification with how many changes are coming in the Fortnite. I mean, like you said, we have almost 700 articles based on Fortnite. There is something new in that game damn near every day. 
Um, and I don't know many games out there that can keep up with that. Um, Apex put out their battle passes, but by the time the next season of Apex rolls around, you got a whole different map and two in-game events that happened in Fortnite. It's hard to keep up with that. It really is, but that's also one of the main issues with Fortnite esports, and that leads perfectly into what has happened this last year of Fortnite esports. It's crazy it's only been a year, but it was basically... Last May or so, Epic pledged that 100 million. They started with the Celebrity Program. Ninja wins it with Marshmallow, and it's Epic is just having like probably confetti rain down from the ceilings because that was the absolute best case scenario for their first. Oh my event. god! Yeah, yes, it was. <laughs> it was crazy, and they got nominated for an SP's Esports moment and actually reached the finals. I'm so yep. so glad it didn't win, but that's. <laughs> Yeah, no, Larry definitely deserved the win, and, I, and I'm glad he did. But, yeah, no, th- this boom that has happened, like, for anybody who wasn't really familiar with Fortnite, like, it seems like one day you're punched in the face, and you're like, what is this game that has exploded out of nowhere, and who is this bright-haired, colored man that is making millions of dollars? Like, what happened? Yeah, it happened so fast. and like, in the magazine. Dude, like he he's he has his own merchandise being sold in Walmart. That's crazy to me. And like I'm super happy for Tyler. He has worked hard and he deserves it. Um, but if you would have asked me five years ago if there's gonna be a multimillionaire just off of one video game, I would have been like, what are you drinking? Yeah. That that really didn't seem realistic to me. And now, um, if that happens in one year. Who knows what happens in the next five? We can have five more ninjas. Who knows? That's true. And that's part of the reason why Tifu is suing FaZe Clan, because he is now a bigger channel than Ninja. And seeing Ninja have merchandise in Walmart and be in Super Bowl ads, he's like, wait, I more people are watching me than are watching him. Why am I not doing these things? Yeah, and- his his contract too, that that's a whole other yeah, we've we've covered that yeah. pretty extensively. Mm-hmm. So if you want to learn more about the Tifu phase drama, you can check out past episodes of the Esports Network podcast. Um, also, one last thing on Ninja: credit to Jessica Blevins, his wife, who has oh yes seen a moment for him where he was very popular, and she is the mastermind behind these brand deals, getting him on these appearances, running his PR, his marketing. She is truly the reason the Ninja brand exists. He's a great Fortnite player and entertaining to watch, but she is really the mastermind why he is so pervasive in popular culture now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, She follows him everywhere, um, follows his every move, and obviously it works out great, you know, because, you know, they're husband and wife. And, you know, you would hope being in a marriage like that, you would be able to, you know, discuss different things, um, you know, financial situations or whatever else it is but for them it's extremely unique because you have his entire career kind of hindering on their relationship and so far it has been nothing but positive things um when he had that slight controversy what was it last year two years ago where he said he didn't play with female streamers right um because he didn't want to you know create any issues with with his wife and then his wife just kind of was like, yeah, no, I support him. And this is completely okay. And that's fine. And we're just going to move on. And that was that. She really didn't do anything else. She didn't target anybody. She she just kind of took it really, really well. And that's what I think is helping Ninja is 
yeah, his wife. <laughs> his wife yeah. is great. That had a very quick news cycle. And I understand why he did it. There's a lot of clickbait YouTube channels that Ninja's going to play with, say, Pokemon or somebody. And suddenly they're going to be – you see with the myth and Pokemon stuff where it's like, oh, ship yeah. this? Like, they're, are they dating? Are they not couples? And it's like Brooke and Sim funny right now where they're – Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The second you play with a girl streamer, you invite that. And I can understand where he's coming from. Uh, and it's mostly a problem with how the community is going to react to that. Not that he necessarily didn't want to play. But also, it's clickbait YouTube channels. So if you're taking those seriously – don't i think jessica handled that great where she was like whatever they're gonna they're gonna post random shit anyway so who cares (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and that's the thing about it too is that it was kind of misleading because like tyler said or ninja that he wasn't gonna play with any female streamers which it's his channel it's his brand he can do what he wants but he actually went on to play with ewok the uh the deaf Fortnite streamer Mm -hmm. she's a female of course like you know she's younger and if you're gonna ship those two that's illegal, but yeah. don't uh, ship the thirteen-year-old deaf girl. Please. Like, just, yeah, just no. don't, don't don't ship the thirteen-year-old, please. Thanks. Yeah, no, but yeah, I did an interview with her for Fortnite Intel, and she is the most kind-hearted, sweetest girl I have ever like talked to in gaming in general. Uh, she is adorable and sweet, and Tyler played with her, and it's not all about publicity. Sometimes things just happen and tyler says no i'm never gonna play with a female and then he does like i saw a couple articles out there that were like slamming him and we're journalists we know sometimes opinions change sometimes you know ideas ideologies change and i'm really enjoying what tyler's doing right now with his content kind of making a even area between the super harsh cursing ninjas hyper that we mm-hmm. love grew to love in PUBG, and then we have this kid-friendly ninja who's like hey you're great better luck next time kid like I- i'm liking it i'm enjoying his very even ground right now yeah him doing the after dark and i love this has become like a ninja podcast um yeah right we're just fanboying over ninja <laughs> I, I just think his brand work is one of the most impressive things in esports gaming. And I, I think you're right. The After Dark segment allowed him to have his kid-friendly content, but also not be like having natural, I guess, rage or like the 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 fun experience of just kind of going crazy. So he does After Dark. He brands it differently, changes it, and it's, you know, hey, I'm going to be a little wild right now. And then there's kid-friendly. So that, that's a good way of doing it. But anyways, yeah. back to the timeline of Fortnite Esports. Mm-hmm. Ninja wins the first tournament. After that, we have the Summer Skirmish, which they put down, I think, a million each week. Or uh, some weeks at, at over a million. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, Fortnite Esports. We are, we're paying a lot of money. And right now, the game is in a sort of weird, constant state of flux. But I think people would agree that was the golden age of Fortnite. At least our commenters on Fortnite Intel just... Like the season three, season four period, yeah. I, if that, I remember, yeah, I I would tend to agree because that was about the time um, when summer skirmish popped up. That was kind of the final death blow to Friday Fortnites, um, and that was a huge moment for Fortnite uh, esports at that time. Um, the amount of viewers that Friday Fortnite got was ridiculous. Um, and I genuinely believe that was part of the reason why Fortnite blew up 
But then Summer Skirmish came in and they're offering a million dollars a week compared to $20,000. Like, doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, you know, why those players decided to go with the Epic Run tournament. Um, but that was definitely the blow up that we saw where it was a nice, um, not build heavy meta. And I think that's what everybody enjoyed about it was that you didn't fire a shot and then a kid threw up an Eiffel Tower. <laughs> I it's it's so weird because I loved watching those build battles, but then they got too insane. Like I remember there were some clips of like Myth, the young architect, who yeah, those OG so quickly, but you could still yep. follow what he was doing. And now you see it; it's just this rapid fire. And if you're not heavily in depth, and most esports go this way after a while, is that if you're not heavily into the game suddenly they look insane. Like if you watch an mm-hmm. OWL match, an Overwatch League match, and you're not deep into Overwatch, you probably have no idea what's happening. And that's how just yeah. like esports just evolved to eventually, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely for Fortnite for me in the beginning. Um, it, it was crazy. In the beginning for Fortnite esports, I actually tried to do squats. And even with the less amount of building that they did then compared to now the servers couldn't handle it yeah and then that's when they decided like all right we'll drop back the duos and solos whatever which is perfectly fine um but i have to agree with you now like i'll go on twitter looking for clips for an article or something and i'll see some kid like all i really see is him just shaking his mouse everywhere and i'm like i don't understand what you edited or what you did but you did something. <laughs> it, it's just so fast now. And like props to them for being able to do that. But the skill ceiling for Fortnite continues to raise. Yeah, it is crazy high. And that is the mark of a good eSport is you have these kids who are just so good. And we say kids because the average age of a Fortnite World Cup qualifier is 17. They are literally objectively kids. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's not just like that we're old curmudgeons. They are actually high schoolers who are competing yeah. in the world cup that's insane to me that's crazy to me that during the week they were do- doing their studies they're doing their you know history and then language arts and then they're going home and then they're competing for millions of dollars yeah like, some, are, some are being homeschooled yeah yep. yeah they're, they're getting pulled out of school because they're making i i mean sure if you're making thousands and thousands of dollars why not? School is, mm-hmm. I mean, getting education is important, but ride this Fortnite wave. You can go back to school when you're in your late twenties. Just yeah, set yourself yeah, up. There's, I there was there was that one article that put out that that dad. There was a dad who pulled his son out of school, um, but wasn't homeschooling him, but was just forcing him to play video games. And that's messed me up. Me as yeah, me as a person who I love video games, I love esports, and if my child would ever want to do video games, dope, that's great. You're finishing high school though, <laughs> yeah. or if you want to play video games and you don't want to go to high school, you're getting a you're getting homeschooled. Um, this idea that parents can just pull their kids out to hopefully win millions of dollars, do you know how hard it is to do that? To eat, not even just to qualify, is extremely difficult. Um, and I don't really see the upside in that gamble. But I also don't have kids, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, me neither. I'm I, there's. I'm not even considering it unless they're in the top 0.1 percent of one of the like five to ten biggest games in the world. This is the only time I'm being like, okay, 
maybe this can be your career. Otherwise, no, you're staying in school. Oh yeah, there was um they showed all throughout the week they're showing clips on um the Fortnite Twitter of when these kids, like you said, qualified. And there was this one really like heartwarming clip of this kid calling in his dad and is like, Hey, so I just won fifty thousand dollars and I qualified to go to New York. And I'm so mad I don't remember this player's name. I think it's but they, Buck FBS. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And then his dad came in and was like, What? What what'd you do? And he's like, I played a video game. And the look on his dad's face was just like, You're getting scammed. But the broadcast is <laughs> happening and you see courage and lupo and all them cracking up in it. Like it was it, like that's what I love about the Fortnite esports is like these new players getting these opportunities, um, like vivid coming out of nowhere. And I believe he got first for like three weeks in a row during the summer or fall mm-hmm. skirmish. Yeah. And everybody was just like, where did this kid come from? Um, and there's been so many players that have done that and have created careers because of it. And it's great. Yeah. And the world cup, especially having this 30 million dollar tournament be an open qualifier has allowed so many people oh to get my into God. it. It's, beautiful. it's insane. Um, I mean, there's 13 year olds. Uh, yeah, exactly. Who is it? Misfit Clicks. I believe he qualified three or four times yeah. just in solos. And he's 13 or 14. Like, oh my goodness gracious. It's God cr- bless your soul, kid. It's crazy. It's crazy. God bless. Yeah. But okay. um, back to the timeline of Fortnite Esports. We're gonna, this is going to be a two-hour podcast as we, as we go. It really is. Yep. <laughs> um, we could just do this forever because we have a lot of Fortnite thoughts, surprisingly. So moving on, we had the summer skirmish goes pretty well. Golden age of Fortnite. Next is the fall skirmish. And again, Epic gets a result that I think they wanted in. They, they separate this into four different groups. And this is when we have our first cheating uh, allegation or our first major one. And that is with uh, um, it's the phase guy funk bomb gets watches uh, Nate Hill or watches a some uh, somebody else in the lobby's feed that he's not supposed to be watching feeds the info to Nate Hill he gets kicked out Nate Hill uh gets suspended I don't think he can play the rest of the time but he still gets part of the winnings from his group uh Funk Bomb gets no winnings for it they're still both on phase and we bring this up uh because it'll tie into a later World Cup deck so fall skirmish ends with Tifu and Cloak winning as a duo and that's when Tifu's rise ahead of Ninja really takes off. He becomes the highest earner of all time in Fortnite uh, competitive history. He was already a really growing channel. And that's when it's like, all right, Tifu's like the goat. He's the best. Mm-hmm. And that's still an argument you'll see now. He's still the biggest channel for sure. But that was when he really was like, hey, as a competitive player, I'm not just a huge streamer. I'm also one of the best at this game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely around that time. Um, honestly, even with Winter Royale, like every week, him as a solo and as a duo with Cloak, they're just so consistent. Um, yeah. They also their communication is on point. The way that they can handle um, dual heavy snipers to take down walls and players, like it's kind of disgusting. Um, the amount of in-game synergy that they have, and clearly that shows. Um. It's kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but I mean, like, 
goes into like the way Fortnite esports is kind of like inconsistent right now, like with their scoring system. Um, mm-hmm. Tifa and Cloak didn't even qualify, but yeah. if you talk to any Fortnite like esports, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say expert fan. Um, Tifa and Cloak are going to be within the top one, two duos in the world. Um, and I feel like that during that time when they won at fall skirmish, um, I don't know if that was necessarily their peak, but I feel like that was definitely their start to the, uh, rise to internet popularity in the Fortnite community. Um, because FaZe really promoted that win as well a lot. Yeah. And that definitely helped. And I mean, you and I can both, you know, I feel like we can agree. Phase helped both of them blow up. Oh, for sure. It's not, not so, a question. It's yeah. Fan. They have 3 million <laughs> followers yeah. on Twitter. They are, they have so much social engagement. It's ridiculous. So yeah, they, they helped Tifu, And there's a reason why phase banks was mad that he just wanted out of his contract. It's a very complicated, uh, situation. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's the thing with esports. I feel like, several situations like mostly we're like oh this person's wrong that person's wrong we blame one person but i don't think you really can for this situation as phase like it's a whole organization it's not fair to blame one person they both have um, yeah but i feel like uh one thing that we might be able to boil down the one person making a horrible mistake is the infinity blade in the winter royale so bad (laughs) i don't know whose decision it was to do that they must have like been into the office when they're doing like their morning meetings and it must have been that one dude joel on the side who was like hey what if we put this super op weapon in a million dollar tournament it would be funny right then everybody in the office was probably like that is actually hilarious let's do that and then that happened yeah, like so I, I don't was, understand the rationale behind that. There, there is no good rationale, and this was when the first major issue with Fortnite esports came out. So, mm-hmm. as Amanda just alluded to, the Infinity Blade was this one of a kind weapon. You knew where it spawned; it spawned in the brand new snow mountain area, and it was the strongest by far. It was completely mm-hmm. broken, and you either had it or you were trying to kill the person who had it. Generally, that was how this goes yeah. and yep. Fortnite had never introduced just this one-of-a-kind weapon like this before they introduced powerful weapons but nothing that just had one copy on the map mm. and they introduced it the morning of their next massive tournament and it's an absolute shit show as you would expect it to be and epic lets the tournament run for a day and then they try and defend their decision by saying one of the big parts of Fortnite is you need to be able to adapt. Yep. And that sentence has been memed and is now really the crux of the issue with Fortnite esports. It's like, what are they going to add? How are they going to change the meta? And how are we supposed to adapt to this? Because Fortnite pros are just basically operating on a whim of, is something going to change? Is the whole meta going to change? What's is, is my, the place that I drop and I've learned every nook and cranny of just going to disappear who like who knows what's going to yeah. happen? Yeah, it, there's so many things that happened during the Winter Royale that I feel like hopefully Epic learned from. I feel like they're starting to um, by like for instance they disabled the um, the new Storm Scout sniper for the World Cup. 
great. That's awesome. I'm happy you did that. You're learning. Like, don't mess with the meta 72 hours before a major tournament. Like you said in an actual blog release that you weren't going to do that. So don't do that. And they're finally following that. That's great. But yeah, the World Cup has been. Yeah. One of the most memorable things for me, anyway, for the Infinity Blade was that around that time it was announced that Heroes of the Storm was it was essentially going to be dropped as an esport. Activision Blizzard wasn't going to support it anymore. So then there was a Hero of the Storm pro, Psalm, who came in and tried to qualify for the uh, for the Winter Royale. He got in, and he was able to win just by using the Infinity Blade. <laughs> That's what he did. That was his like plan. He would drop in every single game at Polar Peak, pick up the Infinity Blade, and just win. Because that's what the weapon would do. You would swing it and you could kill three people with one swipe. It was insane. Yeah. And the scoring is based on getting kills and elim- and eliminations are a high, hard, big part of this, the scoring system. So normally an engagement is one-on-one where you're almost just as likely to die as the other person. Instead with the Infinity Blade, you're just... I think of it like the Halo sword as you jump around yeah. the map and just... Yeah, like the plasma sword. Exactly. Yeah, that's the best comp for people who haven't played or didn't play for the two weeks that was actually in the game. Mm-hmm. But we bring this up because this was the start of, wait, what the hell is going on with Fortnite esports? And that has continued for about the next six months. And like Amanda said, it's actually, they took some precautions going into the World Cup. They didn't allow the newest weapon, which was just introduced yesterday. They disabled it for the World Cup. Thank God. Yeah. And they had a massive event that happened on Saturday that didn't actually change the map so much. I think if that event had happened five months ago, it was a giant like Power Rangers mech <laughs> versus a weird green. I don't know. How would you describe that monster? Honestly, the way, yeah, I've just that's powers. pretty much what it is. Like, it's this huge like I've been calling it the Polar Peak Monster just because it has the Polar Peak castle on its back. But it's this weird one-eyed Cyclops green laser beam shooting thing. I don't know. It's weird. But um, I watched the event live, and it was really cool. And I'm actually happy they didn't do any major map changes ahead of the World Cup. I was worried about that. Yeah. Um, In the past, they've had like a meteor come down, and seven different places change. And this was two giant monsters fighting all over the map and it was like one random outpost got destroyed yeah so it's it's kind of crazy how it changed in there and that's definitely for the world cup that was a choice they made to not mess up the map too much before the world cup and it was a smart choice i was just a little bit surprised given their past history of being like oh we don't care adapt yeah yeah, I, I agree, too. I, I was genuinely thinking they were going to change up the map or whatever the heck they were going to do. Like, the Volcano event, it ruined, like, two of the most popular places in Fortnite um, and bought back the drum gun. Like, it was it was an interesting event to, for sure. But I think, like, I don't know if it's true or not. It's like a prediction. But Season 10, I think after the World Cup ends, there's going to be this huge event that's really going to change the map. Like, I am intrigued by this weird ball of energy in the middle of Loot Lake. Um, and Epic has, to me anyway, they've never really disappointed with their events. They're cool as hell. 
They're really unique. You don't see anything like that in any other games. Um, and yeah. this is great like, for my next question, actually. So I'm just going to ask you this and let you go on it. So it's what does Epic do well? And I think you're right. The in-game events are one of their absolute standouts. So yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but it was the perfect question. No. So figured I'd ask the question, let you answer it. Yeah, yeah. Ab- yeah, like the in-game events are great. Um, I really enjoy them. Um, my favorite one, was, honestly, was probably the Marshmallow concert. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. Like I'm not a huge like Marshmallow fan. But seeing the way it was integrated into the game, how everybody in the lobby got to float up when the bass dropped, like it was, it was really fun. Um, and I've also an EDM artist for people who might yeah. be, you might not be familiar with his work. It's not a, uh, it wasn't just a bunch of s'mores happening right <laughs> now. Sure. Yeah, Mar- uh, like he, uh, Mitch said earlier, Marshmallow he won the first pro am with Ninja, so it was a nice way to integrate you know a celebrity who kind of has a connection to Fortnite already um and the other thing that i was really happy that they did finally was that they added in an arena mode um i'm so happy that they added a competitive mode for people to go in and play against people that are their own skill level um because for me i can't really practice against people who have thousands of hours in the game you're going to beat me every single time, and I'm not going to be able to comprehend anything. However, if I go up against people who are the same, like, they have the same amount of hours as me, but they know different mechanics, like, I can learn from that. It's not as big as a difference. Um, but also, the arena mode gives people a way to qualify for these millions of dollars in tournaments. So yeah. it's a great way to incorporate different things in Fortnite. Yeah, they needed this competitive structure for exactly the reasons you said, because competitive structure is actually one of the main things they benefit is the casual player. People don't think about that. They're like, oh, we need places for the best players to play. Well, what that means is that the best players are no longer playing against people who have just picked up, as they're called in Fortnite, defaults, uh, because they don't have skins. And that's just honestly brilliant branding by Epic to be like, (laughs) hey, if you haven't spent money and bought a skin, you're bad at the game. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I've had this conversation, um, actually with my boyfriend, he's a, he's a game designer and he finds it real interesting how Epic goes about with these skins and whatnot. And it makes them money hand over fist and it works. People are more interested in reading our random articles about skins or what skins are available or how you can get this skin versus, you know, like actual original content that takes time and interviews, but they just see a skin and they're like, yes, I want the skin. Ooh. Like how many, how much money have you spent on this game already? Oh my, I don't. Hundreds. (laughs) I don't even want to know what some of these kids have spent on their Fortnite skins because they compare Fortnite skins. Like they'll pull open their phones and scroll through each other's lockers and compare stuff. And I'm just like, uh, oh my, I can't even like some of these skins are 20 bucks. I can get a pizza for 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah, you are our priority, Brad. I'm like, 20 bucks? Right? I'm like, Rocket League is 20 bucks. That's <laughs> Yes, oh, that's no. an even better priority in my opinion. But um, yeah, like Epic does it well. And like the only skin that I really ever dropped money on was the Panda Cuddle Leader skin because like oh, yeah. it makes sense. Um, but like, I'm not going to lie. Some of these skins are definitely really cool. Um, they're interesting. Like 
the designs that they do and everything, but they're not for me. And I also understand I'm not the target audience. So it works out. Yeah, the Epic Skins is just a, it's such a lucrative business. I think that, I think if you were to point out what Epic has done well, the in-game events and the skins have been absolute hits. Now, if you want to look on the flip side of that and what Epic has struggled with, Amanda, I'll let you go first. I have some ideas. We've already talked about some ideas, but what are what are some of Epic's shortcomings as a company and especially looking at the esports side? Yeah. Um, for me, the biggest thing, um, I would honestly have to say it's their lack of communication with the competitive community and not really taking like criticism and like implementing it. So for instance, um, we brought it up earlier, the infinity blade. Um, it wasn't until the entire community screamed at them that they went, Oh, my bad. We'll take it out. Our mistake. Um, but time and time again, they still continue to add items. Um, like right before a weekly qualifier is supposed to start. Um, like each week of the qualifiers for the Fortnite world cup, had a million dollars up for grabs. Like that's not something to exactly like scoff away. It's a lot of money. Um, and for a game that's already based on RNG, you're going to add even more <laughs> with going, Oh, I don't know if this gun's going to be removed. Like they took out the pump shotgun, which is like a staple in the game and changed the entire meta. Players yeah. have no idea. The pump shotgun was how much most, most strategies were built around getting close and being a really good player. You could pump shotgun somebody and kill them, and then they just took it out. They just yeah. took it out of the game completely, and everybody's like, wait, you what? Then they've added more shotguns. Now they have a ton of shotguns. It's just a state of constant flux. And while like, if you want to compare it to, say, Overwatch right now, Overwatch has these set changes where they slightly buff or nerf things, and then there's a new hero that comes out and it's in between stages at the world at the Overwatch League right now, and they release Hero Thirty One, and it's it's this very concentrated effort to keep the meta evolving, but also not throw things at the competitive community and be like, "Hey, now deal with this." Here's a new like. It, imagine if Overwatch had introduced a new hero that was actually the best one. It wasn't even close and it happened three days before the world finals. That's the kind of stuff that Epic has done in the past. Yeah. And it, it comforts me to know that um, Nate Nanzer is going to come over and hopefully, you know, fix some things over at Epic. And it seems like he's definitely already starting to make a positive change. Um, like I said previously, with them disabling the Storm Scout sniper rifle, um, a weapon that is incredibly OP, and you know that meta would heavily favor that weapon for the World Cup. Um, and I'm glad that they didn't, you know, they made that decision, and I believe it was the right one. Um, I just hope if they continue on with this Fortnite competitive route, um, that they just listen a little harder. I mean, we're the people that are watching. Um, I mean, for the players, they're the one who are playing and helping Epic make all this money. Um, so I feel like they definitely deserve to be heard. They really have. What's crazy to me, and you, you mentioned Nate Nanzer coming over. Nanzer's the former commissioner of the Overwatch League and uh, was one of the main reasons he really helped get them off the ground. Sort of a red flag for the Overwatch League that they lost their commissioner like that. But again, Epic Games has just vaults full of money. 
And yeah, <laughs> probably it's not as much a worry that because of how much money it's not like he's like jumping ship. It's like Epic Games made him an offer he probably couldn't refuse. Mm-hmm. We came over. They started a Fortnite competitive Twitter account, which upped the communication a little bit. Still not to the level I think it needs to be at, but it did help a little bit. And I agree. I think he has. You can feel sort of some of the strings he's pulling in the background of like, no, guys, we need to make this a competitive, a fair structure. Yeah, so it's not just me. You can definitely feel the slight change. He's already started. Small changes. And it's Mm -hmm. it's partially because the World Cup's coming up. I expect Nanzer's biggest contribution to come after the World Cup because right now it's just been this very fragmented summer skirmish is different than the fall skirmish, which is different than the Winter Royale, which was different than IEM Katowice and Share the Love which is all different than the Fortnite World Cup. So yeah. they've had these, all these very scattered Epic Games hosted tournaments. And now I think we're going to see some actual structure after the World Cup. That's my prediction. Yeah. So that gets into what is the Fortnite World Cup? And now we're 40 minutes into this podcast about the Fortnite World Cup. Time to talk about it. <laughs> oh, it's just, um, so the World Cup is... It was a 10-week qualifier event. Amanda mentioned this at the top. We, we did cover this at the top, so don't don't mm-hmm. skewer me too bad on taking so long to get into this. Uh, the World Cup was a 10-week qualifier. Each week was two days. Saturday, everybody who was in the top rank of arena could queue up for this set time and try and move on to the Sunday finals. The top 3,000 people on Saturday move on to Sunday And then depending on your region, like North America East had four people qualify. Um, Brazil had one or two. Oceania had one, I believe. And so it was weighted based on the amount of players and the relative skill level of the players there. I'm not sure it was necessarily the most fair system, but that's how they did it. They have five weeks of solos, five weeks of duos, each running this two-day system. Um, if you qualify again, you get some money, but it goes down. You can't take multiple spots. And mm-hmm. so eventually we have 200 competitors and there's uh, 22 people who double qualify. They qualified in both solos and duos. Um, I was trying to do quick math. I can't do it. So yeah, it's 178 total people are going to be traveling to New York to play with the other 22 spots taken by somebody who's doubled. Wow. That's wow. I can't believe 178 people. That's it's a lot that's of crazy. people. It is, but it's crazy to think that there were millions that entered in to qualify. Like that's crazy to me. Yeah. I don't, I haven't seen the stat on how many people were in the top rank of arena, but the 3000 was a pretty massive culling. It wasn't like, 3,000 was oh, like yeah. maybe 1% of people qualified. I don't even know. One, two. Um, and one of the the key issues during that preliminary qualification was the hamster ball. And this was the oh, baller, God, as it's yeah. called. Yep. Because it was weighted so heavily on eliminations or on placements and you had 10 games, people would just find... These hamster balls, it's literally what they are in the game. They're hamster balls. You can drive them around and they would just hang out in them until the very end of the game. And they would do that 10 straight times. And that was the most consistent way of reaching the Sunday finals. And there's there's some screenshots of people where it's like 12 people left and it's 11 people 
in hamster balls. And yeah, that's it's it, the, even the ugh. top players were hopping in the ballers. Like it, it wasn't even like it was a cheese. It was just actually, no, it did start out of start out as a cheese, but then it was so like used often like that. It just became the meta. Um, and, and that implemented all the way into the casual game too. Um, like baller is just the way you stay safe at a 360 degree angle. Um, you're automatically going to have almost like an extra 150, um, HP of like armor. Like it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's exactly it. And some people don't understand why they're like, just shoot them. It's like, well, it doesn't, you can't because, they have just 150 armor and they could pop out at any time. So you're targeting somebody who has guaranteed way more armor than you and also can just be on a level playing field with you at literally any time. No, they can't attack while they're in it. They can try and run you over, but that doesn't do anything. Yeah. But if you start targeting them, you run out of your clip, you run out of ammo, they hop out and they target you. So you, you're giving up your advantage the second you try and shoot at them. And it's what a lot of the Fortnite community doesn't understand about competitive play because the Fortnite community is the like most anti Fortnite pros of any community I've ever been part of. <laughs> Just build forehead. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. The, um, the difference in communities from pro to casual is, is dramatic. It, it really is. It's unlike, like in most esports the pros are sort of uh, admired, respected because they're the best at the game they play. And in Fortnite, they're knocked for complaining or wanting to change the meta or just wanting a fair meta. And like I, I wrote an article, for example, I wrote an article about the double heavy strategy. In the double heavy strategy, Amanda talked about how Tifu and Cloak are really good at it. It's taking two heavy snipers. And what you do is you, because you're, you're talking to each other at the time, you line up your shot. The first person takes their shot, knocks the wall down. The second person immediately fires right after and takes the person out. So the person who thinks that they are hiding in a box and are safe for the time gets taken out by a one-two punch and there's not really a good way of countering it. And so I write this whole article about how this is a strategy and a lot of pros want it removed. And the comments are all these so-called quotations pros only whine and complain. I'm like, they... First of all, they are pros. They're getting paid. <laughs> they're hired to play the game. That is what a pro is. And they're just they're just whining and it's so it's so crazy the difference between people want a fair meta. And that's just not why people play Fortnite, I don't think. They and it, it's different because most esports are competitive experiences. You play that you play the game to grind it and to get better and to rank up. And that's not why a lot of people play Fortnite, which makes it a sort of a weird e-sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually, um, I mean, for me, the e-sport that I focused on the most before um, Fortnite was Call of Duty. And for those players anyway, it's it's leveling up, it's ranking up, it's hopping into, uh, into you know, pro eights or pro tens, whatever it is, and playing for money and seeing who the best is. And for Fortnite, um, I mean, even in the beginning, you didn't have a competitive mode. It was everybody was tossing to the same lobby. Um, and I feel like in the beginning, 
Fortnite evolved from a game where, yeah, of course you're going to be, you want to be the first player, you want that victory royale, yay. But the trick shots, the clips, the montages, um, the storylines almost. Um, Courage did a video. Um, I believe he was with Optic at the time where he put out a montage um, that was edited by 100 Thieves' uh, editor, Logan. And yeah, it it was like a whole storyline of courage with this little kid that he played with, with Connor. And like, it was so well done. And that video got millions of views because Fortnite has this unique opportunity where it can allow people to create their own world, especially with creative and playground. Um, And that's where it appeals to so many different people because before Fortnite's huge creative mode where people could do whatever they wanted, the last game where you could go around and do and create your own world was Minecraft. And we both know that blew up as well, too. Um, if you give people the opportunity to create what they want um, and it works well, it's going to do great. And yeah. Fortnite implemented that brilliantly. They announced it during the Video Game Awards, I think. Yeah, VG. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think so. Back in December. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they were like, "Hey, this is available right now. Go!" And it was a brilliant way to drop that. Yeah, it was. So what they did is they introduced the block, and it smashed this like movie theater place called Risky Reels, and people are still mad about it. I don't get why. It's I would rather have a constantly changing location every week than one static one. But people are weird. Um, yep. But they introduced <laughs> this thing called the block, and the block was a place for people to get in this new creative mode and take this empty space of land and they could just do something with it. And there's been giant pyramids. There's been ice dragons. There's been underground like labyrinth sort of areas. And every week is something new. Mm -hmm. And the block is a really cool addition because it's like, Hey, not only are you creating these things, also you can get featured in the game, which is going to make people create so many more of them because they can get featured in the game. And I agree. Like it's, that's the lasting impact. That's what that's how games can have this ability to stay around for a long time is let the community create things cuz they'll just be designers for free. You don't have oh, to do yeah. any work. You don't have to create these random maps. They'll do it for you for free. Isn't that insane to think about that you could that somebody out there created this game that like in the beginning Fortnite Battle Royale wasn't even supposed to happen. It was just supposed to be Fortnite Save the World. Like, Battle Royale wasn't even in their thoughts back in 2016, 2017. And then somebody went, hey, let's create a Battle Royale because PUBG is doing amazing. And then now they have this community that they're like, no, we'll create it for you. Thanks. We got it from here. I wish. That's that's crazy. And I'm And I'm extremely happy for Epic. Like... Um, I've always known Epic as the, as the Gears of War company, honestly. Um, and because of Fortnite, they have, you know, shown me that they have so much more to offer. They're not just the Gears of War company. They have so many other games. Um, but Fortnite's allowing them to grab so many different resources to do so many great things, like offering a hundred million dollars for people to win. Um, and I'm super excited to see what they do with the, uh, with the World Cup this weekend, like I'm super excited to see those stadium pictures. I I can't even imagine what they've done with that. 
Yeah, so that's a that's a great segue into what is actually going to happen this weekend. And I wrote an article just on Monday. Some of the casters, um, Courage JD, who you mentioned, he's a Call of Duty caster who's been big in Fortnite, moved from mm-hmm. Optic Gaming to 100 Thieves, and Golden Boy, who is just a premier esports. He is iconic. Player. Yeah, if you've seen if you've seen esports broadcasts, you've probably seen him. It's Overwatch, it's Call of Duty, it's he's everywhere. He's mostly FPS games, I think, but yeah, he's uh, he's done some fighting game stuff as well. Anyways, they both tweeted at the same time, which you know the casters are on a tour and they can't mm-hmm. show pictures, but they're like, "This is incredible," and the event is being held in Arthur Ashe uh, Stadium, which is where the U.S. Open is held. Arthur Ashe, a famous tennis player, um, one of the uh, pioneers, one of the first black tennis players actually to win. Uh, multiple majors back in the 70s and 80s. Oh, uh, the more you know. Yeah, there you go. There's your there's your mm-hmm. tennis stat. I was a tennis player, by the way. I don't know if you knew oh, that. Oh, there we go. All right. Uh, uh, Gotta learn my guy. Mitch facts. <laughs> Mitch facts. <laughs> Mitch facts. Um, yeah, love, love me my tennis. So anyways, it's being held in the stadium. They have the whole thing going, and they had to have 100 different computer screens set up at the bottom. And this is, a, this is a huge challenge. Like if you look at most esports events have this structure they use, which is, you know, teams of five or six, either head facing each other or facing out to the crowd behind monitors and then a bunch of broadcast screens above them. But you can't really do that for Battle Royale because you have a no. hundred people and you also can't have them able to see the broadcast. Because they can't yeah. look up, you have you have to have them all facing away. Like I guess they must all be facing into the center. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of what they did for other huge events where they had like obviously you know hundred people there playing. And for the first program, I believe they had it where everybody was set up where they were facing the crowd, and they had the huge monitor showing um like the broadcast. But everybody, ev- like the individual players. It just showed their faces. I don't believe it showed their gameplay because to me, that would be way too confusing um, for me to be able to like, hey, there's 100 players, but I am distracted by this huge broadcast up here and then 100 smaller screens on the bottom. Um, yeah, that's... And that's I believe like, oh, they did that for the last Pro-Am as well too where they had it. Um, they were kind of like stacked on top of each other where it was like a wall of players. Um, but yeah, and I don't see them. Feet? Um, no, it just showed their faces, I believe. So like, uh, I believe Fortnite weird. likes to focus on their one like broadcast where they have, you know, the, uh, casters or the sh- shout casters there. Um, and then they just click through the individual feeds. Like, um, I don't know of any other game where they show individual screens like that. Usually they flip through them. Yeah, that's huge. Like sometimes in, I remember I went to um, CWL Columbus mm-hmm. and they like, they had, if I remember correctly, they had like three of the players, individual feeds and then a main broadcast. And it works because there's only 10 okay. players out there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because at that point it was 4v4. So that's a little bit easier oh, yeah. to follow. Yeah. Yeah. 4v4. Yeah, that was what it was. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, definitely following your line of thinking. Um, I don't know anybody who's going to be able to follow a hundred individual screens. No, you can't do it. And you have to be, everybody has to be in sync here. And this is why it's going to be 
crazy for the broadcast department. I mm-hmm. do not envy them. And they've kind of struggled with this in the past where it's hard to figure out who to focus on. You're going to miss things at all times. It's it's like a golf broadcast, except everything happens in minutes. And golf is not just you have people slowly walking down a course that you can obviously cut away from. Instead, it's like, oh, they're fighting this person. Oh, wait, no, we need to do this because they're higher on the scoreboard. Or wait, Tifu's in an engagement. He's more important. It's not going to be a fun experience to be in that broadcast booth. No, not at all. Um, You're going to have so many big name players there that it's going to be hard to prioritize. Um, Like the broadcast team has been criticized before for um, heavily focusing on Ninja, um, which I can obviously understand, but... I mean, my dude would be sitting there on top of a campfire just kind of hanging out and there would be another huge fight going on. But the broadcasters would choose to sit on Ninja so they can talk about him and which, again, business, understand it. It is what it is. Um, But hopefully, you know, they'll be a little bit more fair heading into the World Cup because you never know. It could be a nobody like Morgoss who walks away winning it all. We have no idea. Yeah, there's people. I was doing this whole compilation of people who qualify, and there's people who are in the World Cup who have like 400 followers on Twitter. Oh, it's insane, dude! It's crazy. So like they are entirely they're not signed to an esports organization. They nobody knows who these people really are, even though they've you know some of the like really deep into the competitive scene people have picked them up now and followed them. But it's like mm-hmm. they hardly exist, and in the public knowledge. And so it's going to be a really interesting event. I think so this we got into the problems with Battle Royale esports in general. I want to make it clear. These are not Fortnite specific issues. These are inherent issues with having 100 different people playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, th- you see this problem all the time in PUBG as well, which is another huge Battle Royale where if you only have time to focus on one fight, but there's four fights going on, which one do you choose? Yeah. How do you how do you do it? And they got around it for a, like a little while with the qualifiers. You could just watch people's individual streams. Yep. So if you want to watch TV, you could watch Tifu or you could watch the jumping broadcast. And that was a good way of doing it. But also people just chose to watch Tifu, basically. Oh, yeah. There was one week. What was it? I think it was the last duo qualifier week. They had like 250K. Yeah. Um, ridiculous. ridiculous. That's part of the reason why they didn't qualify, because you have... I agree people, with that. And Quote said this is like people were stream sniping us. And of course they were. There's 250,000 people watching you. All it takes is 50 yep. who like 100 who want to come get you and they finish like four or five points out of the top. It is very reasonable to say that stream snipers could have contributed, knocked them off four to five points. And yet I wrote that article and everybody's like, no, the cloak's just complaining and making excuses. I'm like, I oh, please stop. Stop. <laughs> yeah, he talked about it on um I believe it was the Courage and Nate Shot show. Yeah. Um the, the he has he has two podcasts out and they're great. But um Cloak was on there talking about um, you know, trying to qualify and at that time, um the qualifiers are still going on. They had one more week. And he was talking about the stream sniping and things like that. And at that time, they were both living, well, they still are, living in the same house, damn near zero ping, and Tifu wasn't playing without a delay. 
So these kids are getting a live look at wherever their location is. And if your name pops up on the bottom of Tfue's screen for 10 seconds, like, kids are going to go after that clout. Oh, yeah, and, of um, course. It's yeah. so easy. If you see his name and you're on the other side of the map, uh, you can now move around the map. Like, it used to be if you're on the other side of a map of somebody, there's, like, no good way to get over there. Oh, you have so and many now, ways to get over there now because you have the baller and the drift boards or whatever yeah, the or heck the else. Yeah, streams or whatever yep. you want to do. Like, we don't have the planes anymore, but it's... Thank God. It's not hard. Yeah, now, um, moving... And that's the other thing, too. Like, we talked about earlier, like, the natural progression of Fortnite. Um, movement and rotation around the map now is extremely easy um, compared to what it was before. And these players just continue to get better and, and increase the skill ceiling to where, um, unfortunately, it's getting to the point where Tifu and Cloak may not be the best players anymore after the World Cup. Who knows? Um, because these kids are grinding for hours and hours and hours and hours. And now it's summer break. So now they have even more time to play. That's true. Yeah. Now it's just a pure grind for so many yep. people. Yep, I was watching, um, who is it, Tim the Tatman stream today. And he was like, I'm tired of playing Fortnite during the summer because I have little Timmy and Johnny running at me because they're on summer break. And it it makes a good point. Fortnite's uh, core demographic is the younger generation, and they don't go to work. So what are they going to do? They're going to play Fortnite. Yeah, they have literally no responsibilities. Of course, they're going to play Fortnite four hours a day. Yep. Yep. So the other major issue with Battle, Roy Boy Battle Royale esports that I wanted to bring up with you is the scoring system. And Fortnite mm. has sort of settled on this points-based system that it eliminations are worth one point each, right? Mm -hmm. Wait, am I getting this right? Yeah, it's one point each. And then there's benchmarks where if you get, say, five, you get an extra point. Yeah, th their format has changed ever since yeah. they started with the Summer Skirmish. Um, it started out where you would get a point if you got five eliminations. And then if you got seven eliminations, you got two points. And if you got ten eliminations, you got three points. Um, if you got first place, you get five points. Second to third. You it was really weird. It was really, really weird how they did it, and how they did it this time around is that it was very elimination-favored. And so what people would do was that um, – sorry, I misspoke. It was very placement-favored. So what you said earlier was that people would sit in ballers until their last 10, and then they'll pop out and just sit and wait until they just camp for third, second, or even first – there was one game that one player didn't even earn an elimination and he got a victory royale in the qualifier. So clearly something is off there. Um, and I think what would fix that is maybe switching it, make it elimination based. Um, obviously, if you get top three, you get a more points. But um, getting top 12 in a battle royale game, I'm sorry to say it, isn't that good. And it's I don't I, mean, I don't think you should be rewarded for that. You could probably put me in a lobby and I could make top 12 and I would never fight anybody. I would just hide the oh, entire time. Like, I'm not even going to lie. That's what I do for my challenges. Whenever they yeah. pop up, I'll just land at the super outer edge of the uh, of the map 
get my stuff, grab a couple riffs, and I'll be like, okay, I'll just move with the circle. I'm good. There was one when it was a it was a new block, and the thing made it sound like there was a secret in it. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna go drop in. I'm gonna find what this secret is mm-hmm. in this block. And so it's the giant pyramid one. I'm just I destroyed everything in there. Turns out there wasn't a secret. But anyways, oh. <laughs> I get up from my pickaxing tirade and there's three people left. It's me and two others. Yep. And I get down to one. The other person gets knocked and I'm bad at the game. So I didn't kill the final person at eight kills. But uh, I got second place and I spent the entire time destroying a pyramid. Yep. And that's like possible in Fortnite. If oh, you can't absolutely. do that in any other game. You can't just not play and run around trying to destroy a pyramid and have that be a successful strategy yeah and that and that's in a lot of battle royales where it seems to me that you either have two type of players where you have the player that is extremely strategic and they want to get the eliminations and they want to almost like participate in the game they want to take advantage of every mechanic that they can or you have the players that enjoy winning so much that they will just sit there and camp until they get the win because that's all they care about um, and you see that across PUBG, Fortnite, Apex, um, Realm Royale, like all the other games, like y- you're going to have those campers. Um, the only problem is that it seems like Fortnite and Epic are kind of catering to them with their choices, uh, the airplanes for one of them. And then they added the baller. Now you have drift boards and quad crashers and slip streams. And it's like, okay, you clearly want us to move a lot. <laughs> so And be able to run away if there's yeah. somebody who we think is better than us. There needs to be ways to run away. Because it used to be in Fortnite, if you were running through a field and somebody came at you, it was build and fight. You 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 couldn't get away from them. And ever ever since then, they've just been introducing more and more ways of evading rather mm-hmm. than fighting yeah like i've noticed that from when uh when i play apex um that game is very like it's not necessarily w key based but if you see somebody you shoot at them because there's not a hundred people on a map there's 60 there's less people so each fight is more important and in Fortnite, you see several instances where you'll be up on a super tall mountain or whatever taking a couple pot shots and then the person's building and they're like, Nope, not doing it. I'm going to run away. Screw this. I'm out. I'm done. Um, so there's a lot more easier ways to evade in Fortnite than there are in other battle Royale games, but maybe that's just what Fortnite is, is that it's a very fast movement based game where you have to be on your toes. Yeah. I don't think the movement is necessarily a horrible thing. It's the things like the baller that are literally just shields. Mm Mm-hmm. That move, that that's when you start getting dangerous territory. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I have a scoring system I want to run by you. Sure. Are you familiar with how the H1Z1 Pro League used to do its scoring? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Like the when they did like the broadcasting stuff. You mean? Yeah, they. Yeah, I mean yeah. that that thing was horribly, horribly messed up. It was run by uh, a company who is bad. They didn't know what they were doing and they're in the news recently because it's the parent company of echo fox so if you know what happened with echo fox that's sort of what the h1z1 pro league was a scam and it left people without money it was horrible but their scoring system 
was really strong. And what they did was the finish place, the finish, um, your placement was a multiplier of your kills. Mm-hmm. So you get one kill and you finish in first place, you get two points. Cause I think it was two times and then it was oh, 1.5 times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't get much, but you get 10 kills and you finish in 15th place. You get no multiplier, but you get yeah. 10 points. So it's this, it, has this intrinsic risk reward of we need to be getting kills, but we also need to get our placement. It's not, oh, if I get if I wait till this point, I get five points, which is five kills, and I'm that's better. You have to be getting kills while placing highly, and it forces you to do both, but also make sacrifices. And are we going to go for this engagement and risk our multiplier, or do we need to get more more points on the board? And that's the scoring system I would love to see Epic adopt. The other unique thing about it is they did a sort of a NASCAR-like scoring system where one week was an event, and then it went up on a scoreboard, and the next week you added points on to that score. And so it was like this 10-week thing where each time you'd had people move up and down the leaderboard based on how many points there was squads for them actually doesn't PUBG do that i thought they did that as well i think they might i think they yeah. might but uh, i i, I like that i like that honestly like that would have been really interesting to see for the qualifiers if you had kind of like a, a leaderboard that tracks throughout each week so obviously you would have one leaderboard for solos and one leaderboard for uh duos um yeah yeah, that actually that that would be a really intriguing idea for Fortnite if they were to continue on with the uh, esports stuff after the World Cup. Yeah, so you have like the top twenty five EU duos. Yeah. All right, however many it equated to, I think it was I think it was five a week for them. So you'd have this leaderboard that constantly updated, and then at the very end, to be the top twenty five duos would get in. To me, I think it just makes more sense it lessens the rng a lot because now you're playing 100 matches instead of 10 each um well i guess what would be 50 matches as a duo yeah. during this time time yeah. period because it's 10 for each um week of each individual qualifier mm-hmm. that lessens a lot of the rng the people at the top sort of become at the top i'll bet tifu and cloak qualify yeah if you do it like that yep, yep. and it's, yeah, it's more I- yeah yeah. Um, the actually one question I wanted to throw at you: How, What did you think of them deciding to do an open qualifier instead of a closed qualifier for the World Cup? It's a good question. I I think it should have been a balance, and I know people would have probably complained about this, but there's some duos who are just have proven themselves at the top, and this is what like. Dota 2 does, where there's people who are invited to TI because they won, like, say, Tifu and Cloak win Fall Skirmish. That would come with a World Cup qualifier invite. I don't think that's ridiculous. Vivid that's what wins, I was thinking. Yeah. Vivid wins Summer Skirmish stuff. That comes with a World Cup qualifier. You do it for IEM Katowice. You do it for Winter Royale. You do it for all these different events. Make it the top three. Yeah. And they qualify. I think that's super reasonable to do. And have and you can even make the celebrity tournament and make Ninja qualify automatically if you want Epic. I know you want him in there, so just- <laughs> right. 
And then you leave the other, you know, whatever it is, 70 spots in solo and duo in an open qualifier. Nobody's going to complain about that. Yeah. Actually, still that's, not, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. That's See, I, Epic should have hired you. That, that was their problem. I've been saying, Epic. Pay me money. <laughs> yeah, but I, I genuinely believe that with their addition in Nate Nanzer, they're just going to take everything that they learned from this past year. And hopefully they're going to go back to North Carolina. They're going to sit down in the, you know, whatever business room they're going to have and figure out what they're going to do. Um, because I, there's no way they don't continue this reign going after uh world cup like they have to continue doing competitive stuff i think we're looking at a Fortnite league i really do think like like the way PUBG is gone mm-hmm. i bet that's what nate answer is going to do this is my this is my theory i don't know if the scoring works like h1z1 or not yeah but this is my theory that it is going to be some sort of competitive structure and because they can't just keep doing random tournaments like this and building hype and building it's it's better off to create your your format whatever it is and then start tweaking it you don't want to have to create new events out of scratch every time it's a lot of headache the branding's different just create one league same branding become known and then have a consistent schedule with it it's the best way of running an esport it's just the way every single other major esport does <laughs> basically yeah. except for like CS:GO that just has a ton of third party tournaments that everyone knows about because it's been around so long yeah that's that's what they need is some sort of franchise leagues and i'm pretty sure it'll happen yeah i mean i would be interested to see it um i think it would be really cool like obviously you're gonna have to have a pipeline of talent and i think that's where you could definitely utilize the arena mode and like these open qualifier tournaments like that's where you get your talent that's where you find you know these new upcoming players um obviously like you have your super notable players like Poach, 72 Hours, um, Tifu, Aiden, you know, whoever, that they're already signed. And, you know, I'm sure they can already get a spot on an org. They're going to stick with the orgs they have now or another one. Um, but I think that would be super interesting. Like maybe have, say, like five games on like a weekend and you have like a match day. Um, it's not like. Epic doesn't have the money to like go out and set up some type of like infrastructure for it. Um, and it's not like Fortnite's going anywhere. It's not like the player base is going anywhere. Kids are still addicted to it. Yeah. They're that's the game they play. They're yeah. if they're signed up to an esports org to play Fortnite, they're gonna play Fortnite. Oh, absolutely. And I mean I mean, let's be real. It, any sixteen year old, if you go, hey, do you wanna play Fortnite for the chance to earn millions of dollars? Like of course they're going to say yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's always going to be a crop of people ready to replace the current group of pros if that's something they need to do. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Yeah. I've got my final question for you. We're at an hour and 50 minutes. This is a great podcast. My final question is a sure. big one. Does Epic want Fortnite to be a fair and balanced esport? Is that their goal? Or is the esports scene just like a gratuitous advertising strategy? What do you think? Oh, man. Uh, that's a great question. Um, my first instinct is to honestly say it's an advertising strategy right now. Um, just because of the different moves that they have made in the past, 
Um, like for instance, um, adding in these like weird items like a day before the event, that's gonna draw viewers. It's gonna go, oh my god, why is a super OP weapon in a tournament? Let me watch it real quick. Um, it's also gonna cause people to talk. It's gonna create a social interaction chain going on. Um, I'm sure Fortnite's analytics on Twitter right now are absolutely popping with the World Cup going on right now, and that equals money. Um, I would love it to be a fair esport. Um, I just don't know if that's Epic's main priority right now, because it seems like Fortnite was created to obviously create money and create hype. Um, I just don't know if their end all be all is, Hey, esport infrastructure, solid, fair, go. Um, I think it's, let's get people talking. And if that means adding in an insane weapon, then I think they'll continue to do that. I I totally agree with you. I think the reason they put the Infinity Blade in before the Winter Owls, people are going to be watching Fortnite today. Let's show them this new crazy weapon so they want to play the game. That sucks to say, but I think it, it's kind of targeted trolling. Probably. They're, they're sort of yanking the pro community like, hey, they're going to be mad, but we'll show this off and... Also, anybody who's like, I can't get wins at Fortnite is going to see this crazy powerful weapon and be like, if I can get that, maybe I can win. Exactly. Exactly. To me, there's one indicator, one huge indicator that, that, that they don't want it to be a fair esport. Or it's not their, not that they don't want it to be, but it's not their first, second, or third priority. Mm-hmm. And that is that they have not moved to separate loot pools for competitive and casual. Uh, that's a good point, too. They've done some small disabling things for individual tournaments. Um, the siphon was a huge thing. They moved the siphon mm-hmm. into only arena mode. And that was for people who aren't familiar with the game. Siphon is when you take somebody out, you'd get a health and uh, shield regen of 50, I believe it was. And that just basically allowed you to be more aggressive as a player. And they had it in the casual mode for a while. They took it out because it was making people just drop 30 bombs and yep. probably young Made people were people too OP. Yeah. Which somehow the community didn't like siphon. I was like, this doesn't hold up with any of your past things about sweat or how you don't like people who are tryharding at the game. And yet yeah. they remove siphon and everyone's mad about it. I'm like, no, this was, this was something directly helping the people who try hard and are super aggressive. You don't, I, I know yeah, it, it, that that change was added to implement to like cater to the casual community. And again, like I'm not a huge sweaty competitive Fortnite player. So I really didn't mind it. Um, oh, I was happy it, it. It didn't, yeah, it didn't bother me. Like, honestly, the only thing that really upset me was just the fact that they did it without telling the competitive players. Like it was a huge thing behind their meta as pro players is that okay if i have 20 health but i have you know a couple bullets this is a gamble but if i win i'm gonna get my health back so yeah yeah. it's good in pro play it really it's it's great for arena mode and that's to me like if you want you can have these separate loot pools and you can have the baller and people rolling around in hamster balls and casual it's so much fun it's great time but when you're keeping those competitive, when they clearly pose a problem to me, and it's so easy to disable them. I'm talking about yeah. a line of a line of code being like arena disabled. That is 
all it's going to take because they've done it before. They've taken out things from different modes and they've added them to like Team Rumble has had whole different loot pool sets. And that's just for like a, a random. Uh, they had their loot. own like LTMs, whatever. They have the yeah. one with the uh, jetpacks and the shotguns and then just sniper rifles. Like you're trying to tell me you can't code a separate loot pool. I call BS. No, they can. It's it's so easy for them. And that's what makes me think they don't care about its integrities in eSport because there's no reason to keep the baller in pro play unless yeah. you want the game to be as closely matching the casual side of it as possible. And I don't think they, I think they should be fine with that not being how it works. Cater to the two groups. There's people who want to play this to grind and have the most fair competitive experience. And there's people who want to just mess around with Peely and Conga line. Cater to both <laughs> groups at the same time. Yeah, dude, I, I agree with you. Like there's, there's, it's a huge community, but there's two parts to this community. And I feel like Epic is favoring one over the other just because clearly the casual community is going to be larger than the competitive community. Um, they just, they got to find a balance in order for this to really succeed because they're losing competitive players. There's already been people who have said they're going to stop playing competitive and just focus on streaming and be variety streamers, which means they're not just going to play Fortnite. So something's got to give. Yeah, something's got to give, and it's gonna after the World Cup will be a very interesting point for Fortnite. It's yeah, I I absolutely agree. Um, as soon as that Monday hits, um, I'm interested to see what Fortnite does or if Epic announces anything. Um, because you're just gonna have this huge lull period, and you better hope there ain't some game like Apex that's gonna be launched. Yeah, can you imagine if some massive title is just waiting? Like oh right my God. behind. Oh, I'm sure. That's what they should be I'm doing. sure. Yep. Yeah, this is yep. about Realm Royale came out last year, right? In the summer? Yeah, Realm Royale dropped like kind of randomly. Um, but Apex was really the big one that caught people off guard because it, it was literally like one day it dropped and we're like, oh, this is a huge, like somewhat optimized battle royale game. Oh, and it's free? Done. Yeah, different. Yeah, so. you need it to be free. You need to pay all the streamers to play it for a day or two. And then hopefully that presence on Twitch gets people playing it. That's That was the Apex strategy. It worked. They fell back behind Fortnite, but still the biggest competitor to it, at least in the West. PUBG is smaller, but still massive in Asia. I think banned in China, mm -hmm. but huge in South Korea. Um so yeah, yeah. PUBG has a very interesting uh, demographic and like location based. Um, yeah, I bet battle royales, and that's the thing people need to like, kind of like comprehend as well too. Is that battle royale is still really young? It's true. This was a mod four years ago. Like this was a right? mod to Arma, and yeah, people were like, "Oh, this is cool," and now it became its own thing. Player unknown created the mod, created PUBG. H1Z1, it's it's just, yeah, it, it blew up really quickly and it's already sort of not even the hot thing anymore, which is how quickly video games move. We're moving into the uh, um, auto chess era, I guess. Teamfight tactics yep, yeah. and um, Dota Underlords and what's the other one? Auto chess, Dota auto chess. There's, yep. Yeah, so there's like this new genre popping up and that's just the crazy thing about esports, just how... 
you know, it's randomly a new genre can be created usually out of a mod of a game. And now it's the biggest category on Twitch. Like, yeah, there's, there's so many people out there who are so creative with what they do. And I mean, you can do anything with a video game. It, It is this blank medium of a canvas. And if you get fans involved, like player unknown, you are going to get these, you know, mods that at first people are like well what the hell is this and then next thing you know there's a hundred million people playing it um and i really think the next thing that's going to come out and wipe out fortnite it's going to be something extremely unique that hasn't been done before like fortnite blew up because it had this building mechanic um yeah and who knows what the next thing is going to be um what that next mechanic is i don't know but i'm excited to find out yeah, me too. I'm hoping for virtual spectator sports. This is uh, our last podcast. So I'm going to plug our, our previous podcast, talk to a Ubisoft developer about Roller Champions, which is basically something similar to Rocket League. And I think there's a growth opportunity in the Rocket League genre. And we named it VSS because I don't know what's the Rocket League genre. Do you, do you have a genre name for it? Um, Honestly, I... Jesus. Uh, no, actually, I don't think so. Um, I don't think it's fair to categorize it as a sport game because there's a lot more that goes into yeah, it's it. Not, it's um, not trying to be a traditional sport. It's not Madden or 2K or anything like that. Yeah, no, and, and it's not really based off of one sport either. Um, it's a combination of different sports that get added into it because you have um, aspects of basketball and American football and soccer. Um so yeah, it's 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 interesting, and it's those games that add something extremely unique and run well that they usually wind up exploding and doing really well. And Rocket League did that, like soccer. Like it's so weird, but I love it. I love it too. Huge Rocket League fan. I know you are too. We should uh, we should get playing. We should uh, play some games soon. Yeah. Oh my god, we've been trying at this point. It's been almost like a year. Yeah. One sort of. <laughs> but we'll get there eventually. I mostly play at like nine p.m. my time, which is midnight for you. So it's been a little hard to yep. like get our schedules lined up. But we will get it done because I just love Rocket League. Huge Rocket League. Oh, I I, I love it too. But um, yeah, Anyways, man. Yeah, it's, it's been signing great. off. Uh, please follow Amanda. Amanda, do you want to plug anything? What you got? Uh, you do your Twitter account better than me and. <laughs> Where you where you find your writing? What's what's next? Um yeah um so if you guys want to interact with me or chat with me about esports anything video game related uh you can follow me on Twitter at panda x ninety two it is p a n d a a x ninety two um I also work with the lovely Mitch at Fortnite and- Intel where we put up pretty much damn near daily content on Fortnite. Anything that happens in the game, uh, we usually cover it for you guys. Um, but Mitch, I just want to thank you for finally getting me on your podcast. I had a great time. Thank you for coming on. This was this was so much fun. I think this is maybe our longest episode ever. We're almost at an hour and a half. So anybody listening, appreciate oh, you all staying with us for this outro. It was hope you enjoyed and learned some about Fortnite esports and the Fortnite scene in general. Yeah, yeah. Again, like I appreciate it. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to this weekend's World Cup. And uh, I guess until next time, guys. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you coming on. We'll have to do this again. 
uh, whenever they announce what's happening after this, or if something crazy happens at the World Cup, we'll just do a follow-up to it. So it's great having you on. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Have a good one. Awesome. You too.